Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where today we're taking you down south to Texas to the border. Two great guests. First up, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton on the front line of many of the major legal battles affecting immigration, election integrity, mask mandates, or the uh, requirement that there not be government-imposed mask mandates, all of that happening on General Paxton's watch. We're going to have him give us an update, including just a few minutes ago, the Texas Senate finally was able to pass that election integrity law by getting Democrats compelled to show up for the vote. Now it goes to the House. We'll see what happens. We're going to ask General Paxton whether he thinks law enforcement will need to get involved to ensure a final vote. And then to further our knowledge, our understanding of what's going on at the border crisis, we have the former secretary of the Homeland Security Department, Chad Wolf. He served for President Trump, a true expert on all things border security. We're going to talk to him about the border, about the spread of COVID caused by illegal migrants who are COVID positive being put into the interior of the country. And of course, we're going to ask him about the 20th anniversary of 9-11 coming up in just a month, a solemn but important moment in American history. It was 20 years ago next month that those planes flew into the towers, into the Pentagon. And the question I have for Secretary Wolf is, are we too distracted by all the things the Biden administration is due to prepare for the terrorists who want to harm us? Also, how much are the drug cartels benefiting by all of this chaos at the border? Secretary Wolf's been quoted in recent days saying millions of dollars a day are being earned by the open border for the drug cartels and the human trafficking cartels. That is a giant red flag, one that really needs to be addressed. All right, now, before we get to those great interviews, which I don't want to delay you too much to because they are going to be super informative, super on the front lines information. I mentioned the Senate, Texas passed the elections integrity legislation. That's a big moment. But I want to talk about something that you probably aren't getting in the mainstream media, but is essential. Some Republicans use this term, Biden's inflation tax. It's a cute term, but what does it mean? And is it even a fair term to use? And the answer is yes. I just did a story this morning and I dug up the statistics for everybody so you can have them yourself, okay? The last three months, inflation has topped out at a 5% or more. In July, we just found out yesterday, it was 5.4%. That's the worst in two decades. 
And we're starting to get to a period now where it is significantly concerning. Now, to put that in perspective, 5.4%, when Donald Trump left office in January, inflation was only 1.4%. It was in check. 5.4% is outstripping the pace of what workers are making in pay. There was this belief that when we got back from the pandemic and started coming out of the pandemic, that we would see worker pay go up. And it did go up. But guess what? The inflation that occurred on Joe Biden's watch erased all of those gains and actually has reduced the earning power, reduced the buying power of American workers, the very people that Joe Biden said he was helping. Now, you don't have to take my word for this. The Harvard economist, Jason Furman, why is he significant? Well, Jason Furman was Barack Obama's top economic advisor. He says Joe Biden deserves the blame for this inflation run. He is putting too much fuel on all this trillions of dollars onto the economic fire is causing it to heat too quickly. Let me read the exact quote. I support heating the economy one log at a time, not throwing them all on the fire at once. What a not so veiled criticism of his former colleague, now the president, Joe Biden. To the degree that the latter leads to prices rising more than wages, it won't leave workers better off. What a warning. That's a Democrat. He's not the only Democrat. Joe Manchin yesterday, Senator Joe Manchin from the state of West Virginia, where Donald Trump is clearly very popular, he put out a statement last night warning that the inflation tax, as he called it, was now harming the constituents in his state, the West state of West Virginia. Quote, I have serious concerns about the grave consequences facing West Virginians and every American family if Congress keeps spending another $3.5 trillion, speaking to the stimulus bill. Over the last year, Congress has injected more than $5 trillion of stimulus into the American economy, more than any time since World War II, to respond to the pandemic. The challenge we now face, this is Joe Manchin talking now, Democrat, the challenge we now face is different. Millions of jobs remain unfulfilled across the country, and rising inflation rates are now an unavoidable tax on the wages and income of every American. That is a Democrat. It's not a Republican speaking. Let me give you another Democrat. Former Bill Clinton Treasury Secretary Lauren Summer. He has been issuing warning after warning that the Democrats and Biden were on a suicide mission, that they were going to create an untenable condition in America where inflation outpaced wage growth. Quote, Summer said, the inflation risk is real. Not everything we are seeing is likely to be temporary. A variety of factors suggest that inflation may yet accelerate, including further price pressures as demand growth outstrips supply growth. Okay, that's good. And then he goes on to blame the Biden agenda, this leftist agenda that Biden and the Democrats in Congress have pursued. Higher minimum wages, strengthened unions, increased employee benefits, and strengthened regulation are all desirable, but they too all push up business costs and prices. In other words, put fuel on the file. More logs rather than less logs on there. Donald Trump's former chief economist, Steve Moore, said the same thing. Democrats and Republicans are in agreement. The current course is financially reckless for America. It's going to drive inflation. That's what they are saying about Joe Biden. Check it out on our site. Important story all around for that. All right, let's go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Grateful to have him on the show right on the front lines of a lot of big battles. He'll be up right after this commercial message. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. 
They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, really at the ground zero of some of the biggest breaking news in the country this week, Attorney General Ken Paxton from the great state of Texas. General Paxton, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate you having me. It's good to be back. You are a busy man. If you're not fighting uh, mask mandates in court, people challenging that, you're trying to round up wayward lawmakers. I don't know where to start, but Texas Senate today, after a long filibuster, finally got the election law that you've been arguing for. How big a moment is that? You know what? It's the process that our founders of our state, the founders of our country believed in, which was electing people, letting them debate. And in this case, obviously, the Democrats have tried to stop that by not showing up and, and doing their job and not letting other people have their voice. And so it's kind of nice to see the Senate get that passed. Obviously, we still have the, the House that still doesn't have a quorum. And so we still, uh, the Speaker is still out apparently looking for Democrats to uh, come in and, and let really everybody have a voice. Yeah, that's such an important point. And um, the, this obviously, the Democrats have uh, fled town for a long time. They're back. There's an arrest warrant uh, potential there. Do you think law enforcement will have to get involved to finish this process? Or do you think finally now we'll get to a completion and the, the will of the people in Texas will be completed? You know, I, I still don't think they have a quorum. So I would not be surprised if law enforcement had to get involved to bring in a few of these people. Um, but I know that I know that some of them are voluntarily coming back. Some, Many of them are back from D.C. Some of them still in D.C., some of them still on vacation, maybe in Europe, because I know a few have had, had a planned vacation wow. uh, to Europe and some other places, and they went ahead and didn't. They didn't want to lose their uh, vacation, so they they were, they had that excuse for for being gone as well. So, but I do think, I do think we'll get there. It's just a matter of, of time of finding them and and bringing them in. And, and when they get arrested, it's not criminal. It's, it's right. really just they get, they get they they get yeah they just get brought to the house floor and locked in just like everybody else. <laughs> it's an amazing thing that you have to use law enforcement to get lawmakers to do the job that they were sent to do by their own constituents. It is a, it's an odd moment in history, but it's a, at the end of the day, it seems like the will of the people will, will prevail. There's a lot of people that, you know, I keep seeing this in the uh, newspaper, the Washington Post, New York Times, they'll call this bill a voting restrictions bill. Are there restrictions in this? Am I missing it when I read the bill? But what are the restrictions? I'm, I keep missing them. You know, there are a few, but there's also some expansion. We have one of the longest voting periods probably in the country. It's two weeks. They yeah. they actually went in and at, they went in and added hours to it. They they tried to limit some of the you know the, the shenanigans that were going on in Harris County where they had drive-in voting and they couldn't right. tell who was voting. And um, there, there were just some, I think, relatively minor things. This 24-hour voting where they were uh, they were trying to do in Harris County, they limited that. Uh, because that's not in the law. They basically right. just spoke to things that were being done illegally in Harris County and some of the counties where the Democrats were trying to uh, expand voting beyond what the law allowed. But there's no limitation. If you can, I mean, honestly, if you can't vote in a two-week period with a weekend available as well, you know, you're not trying. Yeah, no, two weeks is a long time. 
for many years. We did it on one day just fine in America. So it's important important to remember that. Um, you have been one of the strongest defenders of the border and, and also calling out President Biden for the national catastrophe that bringing in COVID-positive migrants is creating not only for the state of Texas now, but now they're getting spread all across the country. Uh, do you have any other tools in your disposal to try to stop these sick migrants? I mean, they, I feel bad for them. They got COVID, right? That's a terrible thing to have and to be in a foreign place when you have it. Is there anything else that you or the governor or others in Texas may be able to do to try to fight that? Well, you know, we have six lawsuits right now with the Biden administration just over immigration. Yeah. And one of them, they sued us. People were coming in with COVID. He tried to basically say, if, if these people are these illegals, who are in our state, if they're not with law enforcement, we're going to take them back to the border and send them back across, largely to protect people from the, this transmission of COVID. Because as you can see, the numbers are going up. We get blamed for it, which is crazy because the president, I call him the most prolific super spreader of COVID in the, maybe in the world, is is just allowing all of these people to cross with COVID. And it's, it's remarkable when, you know, all the lecturing we get as Americans about masks and, and about vaccines from the president. He has no credibility when he just turns a blind eye, not just a blind eye, but actually invites people here with, that he knows are sick and says, just come in. I actually talked to some Dallas police officers a couple of days ago, and they were in downtown Dallas, and they said a couple of buses came in and just unloaded people, and they just disappeared into Dallas. And that's <sighs> happened in all over the country. People just let go. Wow. And, you know, we know some of them are sick, and it doesn't matter to him. I guess I guess the president's okay with. I mean, there's you have to accept that he is okay with people dying from COVID in this country as long as it's related to immigration. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. There are some uh, testing of of some of the co- of the migrants as they're getting off the buses. There's been 15 percent, I think, in one uh, county, 20 uh, percent another, and then this morning there's a report. We're still checking it out. They could 40 percent on one bus had uh, were positive. Those are enormous uh, uh, moments of where the spread is going to, you know, you can't do anything with that many people. It's going to spread. Um, so it's, it's unbelievable to see, the, um, to see the, the reaction and the lack of action that's here. You're so busy, you're fighting on many different fronts because Texas has really lived up to the promises it said. And the governor said no more masks. And then some people are now defying the, 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 those mandates of the anti-max mandates. Uh, you are, I assume, going to be in court trying to make uh, enforce some of these things so that the law is fouled. Is that correct? Yeah. So the, the legislature actually empowered the governor through law, through statute. So these are elected representatives that debated this issue years ago yep. and gave the authority to the governor to declare a disaster and then to issue executive orders to deal with issues related to disaster. And one of those is, hey, you can't enforce, government can't enforce mass mandates. And so now we have local elected Democrats uh, who had both in the school board, school level and the uh, county level, come in, even city level, coming out and saying, we don't follow those laws. We only follow the ones we like. So they've just they're just overriding state law. And, you know, it's 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 clearly a violation of their constitutional roles. And it's, it's clearly sort of a thumb in the nose of, of people of elected representatives. So and of the governor. So now we're, we're taking it through the process. We these cities and counties have filed temporary restraining orders, stopping the governor from stopping them. Well, we're we're going to fight that to the Texas Supreme Court. I would anticipate that we would we would have that resolved in the next week, and we will be successful. 
Yeah, and in one case, you have a judge basically making up his own law, right? I mean, in Dallas, they've actually made up their own rule. Uh, I assume those are the sort of things that when they get to the Supreme Court, uh, you, you've had a pretty big re- winning record in the Supreme Court, too. You've won a bunch just in the last couple of weeks. Uh, is it is it satisfying to know that when you get to the highest court of the state that, that the law is upheld? Yeah, it's just very disappointing. You have all these now, you know, local Democratic judges, both at the the district judge level and the court of appeals. That, I mean, they they don't even like the law is irrelevant. They they have their own feelings about what should be there, and if they feel like the legislature was wrong, they are sort of their well, not sort of, they are their own uh, ruling dictator, oligarchy, whatever you want to call it. If it's a court of appeals, they're not supposed to be doing that. That's not their role in the, in the government. So we're close to. The rule of law is becoming irrelevant, and so I am glad that we still have a Texas Supreme Court that will uphold the law. But it's it's shocking even in Texas how how many elected officials, both judicial and uh, just elected, are are willing to ignore law and do their own thing. It, it is extraordinary, and uh, the the good thing I think you had a funny tweet there. They say we this is deja vu all over again. We get this a lot in Texas. People uh, try to uh, evade our laws, and ultimately the rule of law wins. And I think that's true. You've actually been through enough of these battles now that it's sort of old hat, so to speak. You you go through the process, and you you get the will of the people enforced. And I think that's a pretty remarkable thing about Texas. Why it's so popular? Why so many people are moving there? You say what you mean, and you mean what you say. Well, and we've been through, we, this is deja vu. We, we've done these fights. We did these fights a year ago. We had one with the mayor, uh, mayor of Austin, right. Hitler, where he tried to shut down bars and restaurants over New Year's Eve, and he did it really late and didn't think we would fight back, I, I assume. And, like, we had it resolved, and we had no time because he did it right before New Year's. And it was going to hurt all these businesses, and, and it was clearly a violation of what the governor had put out about uh, uh, shutting businesses down. And we were able to turn that around and get to the Texas Supreme Court, but we had to lose to the, you know, in district court and at the Court of Appeals before we got there. Yeah, no, it's um, it is it's an amazing thing. And you think after time they might get tired of doing it, but they keep the same process up. And but there's nothing like resilience to uh, to get the law enforced. You have been such a big advocate for the men and women in blue. Uh, I saw you tweet out earlier this month a sobering statistic about the ambush, the number of ambush attacks on law enforcement. In your own state, there's a remarkable tragedy. In Austin, there was a young man from New York who was shot um, visiting Austin at a bar, behaving well. Gang war broke out. You later learn that the Austin Police Department shuts down its gang unit and therefore wasn't tracking the gangs that very openly had spoken. They were going there to have a, a beef. Um, in you, uh, that family is now suing, uh, trying to get over the immunity threshold, saying that, uh, yes, government officials have immunity, except when they take an intentional act. I don't know if you've seen that lawsuit, but do, uh, do you uh, support some of these legis- um, lawsuit efforts now to sue public officials who've defunded police? You know, I, I'm very open to that because, I mean, I live in Austin a lot of the time, and they took away about 34 percent of the funding for the police. And look, I'm not saying that police are perfect, that they shouldn't be held accountable for sure. things that are wrong. And, you know, every, I don't know anybody that doesn't think that that's right. But, you know, this idea of, and, you know, ending ending the funding for police, the re, what that ends up doing is exactly what the, these people are suing over. We end up with a lot higher crime rates in Austin now and a lot more violent yeah. crime. And so, there, I mean, they certainly, the, the, the people that put, that defunded the police certainly are the proximate cause of, of of what is going on and this person being 
killed. And it's really sad. That's going to cost lives. And it, 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 I think something needs to be done. I don't know what exactly the answer is, whether more, it's more lawsuits or whether, you know, the state defunds the city and we take over. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but we, we can't defund the police. Um, there's no doubt. Listen, every city that's done it has seen a spike in crime. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see the correlation. And um, Austin is one of those places. I think I, I in the story I did, there have been more homicides in uh, Austin through the beginning of August than there were in all of 2020. I mean, there's four months, five months of the year to go. Uh, that has to be a wake-up call for sure. Um Last question I want to ask you, because I think as we look back uh, over the next few months, you've got an election next year starting a primary. You just got the endorsement of President Trump a few weeks ago, last before, since the last time we talked. How important is that and how important is the race for attorney general for keeping the state of Texas the way it's been on the front lines of protecting freedom? Look, I think the, the president's endorsement, I, I've seen nothing like it. It's a gold standard. I've never seen an endorsement matter more. I know, I've certainly seen how it's affected other races. So I really appreciate the president having that kind of confidence in me. I think he knows just from having worked with me for four years that, you know, I'm, he can he can count on me. And I, I deliver when it's time to step up and, to, and take the risk that often you have to do in this job. So the reason I'm running again is because we're still we're still dealing with massive problems with the Biden administration, with tech companies. And, and there's not many people willing to take those risks and take them on. And, you know, I just don't see anybody coming up, at least this time, who has the courage or has any track record at all of knowing what they're doing or doing a competent job um, in what they did before that can come and do the same things that need to be done. And if Texas is not in the middle of that fight, with our resources and our talent, we don't have somebody leading that fight then I think it affects not just Texas. It's going to affect the whole nation. There's not there's not a replacement for us. And so the leadership really does matter. And so that's why I'm running again. I think it really matters that we go fight. It's uh, I certainly could be doing a lot of other things where, you know, may be better for me personally, but I really care about this state. And I really care about the country. And this, this fight really matters. Yeah, it does. I mean, it really is about, uh, it's a bigger fight about what sort of America we're going to live in. And I know it comes at a cost. So Pete, you get attacked all the time. Obviously, you're being pursued by investigations and things, but you, you don't seem to get demoralized by that. I'm just curious, you know, I guess the, the, the idea of keeping Texas uniquely free like it has always been and fighting for the country, is that is that the sort of thing that on a tough day still gets you up in the morning? Yeah, I mean, it's what drives me, this idea that I know that what we're doing here really matters for the long-term viability of our constitutional government and for people's ability to have freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, be able to go out and make, you know, have opportunity and not have all their money taken from them by the government. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, so, I, and I know, I've, I've known when you take on, like the Biden administration or big tech, you are going to suffer. I mean, they are going to make you pay somehow. And so, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, easy. And I think that's why most people don't want those fights. They realize if you step up, and you do what Donald Trump does, you do what I do, then you are going to get punished by the other side in some way. And, and they use the courts and they use law enforcement and, and law enforcement, federal law enforcement isn't what it used to be. And, and you know, we, we have, we see corruption. We see the whole Hunter Biden investigation, how yeah. they, don't, they don't deal with it fairly. And then, you know, they are wide open to going after anybody related to Trump. 
Yeah, that sense of a dual system of justice in America really shakes a lot of people's faith. Uh, but in Texas, there seems to be only one system, and you're you're making sure to keep it there. Uh, General Paxton, it's such an honor to have you on the show, and I look forward to having you back. There's going to be so much more news in Texas. I can't wait to see how the next three or four weeks uh, play out in, in your great state. Well, thanks for having me on, and I'd be happy to come back anytime. Thanks. That sounds great, sir. Thanks a lot. All right, folks, we take you. a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got the former Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, joining us. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody who's been on the front line of uh, Homeland Security, immigration for a very, very long time, uh, this, a former secretary of the Homeland Security Department and the current chairman of uh, the America First uh, Policy Institute, Chad Wolf, Secretary Wolf. Good to have you back on the show. Well, thanks for having me, John. Good to be here. It is an amazing time in history. I say that every day and every night. I'm reminded again why it's so amazing. I mean, from the amount of money we just spent in Congress to the extraordinary crisis we've created at the border. When you look back now, we're now basically seven months into the Biden experiment. What do you see America looking like right now? Well, you know, particularly when we talk about the border security or we just talk about the immigration system, uh, you know, I'm saddened by what I see, frankly. We spent four years in the Trump administration, some very difficult times dealing with a crisis in 2018, dealing with a United States Congress that refused to provide us any new authorities to really address the fraud and the abuse that we see in the immigration system. Yet, despite all of that, we were able to make some really good progress, particularly in 2019 and 2020 where you had a secure border, you had a lot of the fraud being rooted out of the immigration system, and you put America's first and Americans first. Uh, And you see all of that wiped away over the last six and a half, seven months uh, to where it was before the Trump administration, which, you know, from a border security and immigration perspective, it's a broken system that's not working for Americans, but instead is working for foreign nationals and those who want to come into the country illegally. And that's what the system uh, was designed to, to accommodate. And that's the system that the Biden administration has now gone back to. So in many respects, it's very, uh, very disappointing. Uh, it really is. And, you know, when you talk about the foreign nationals that benefiting them, a lot of them are the cartels. And you had a, a really great tweet yesterday uh, right after the CPB made the largest meth bus ever, ever did. Three tons of meth and fentanyl in one day. Remarkable job by yep. the CPB guys. You, you pointed out something, which is Joe Biden's Borden policy is allowing these cartels to make millions of dollars a day, smuggling both you know individuals, human smuggling and drugs. How did we get to this point that it's okay to let the cartels just have a, a run across the border? And are you beginning to see the consequence of meth and fentanyl spreading deeper and deeper into the United States? Well, it's really quite remarkable. I think the cartels have been emboldened over the last seven months. And I think it's important to remember they're making millions of dollars a day, 
And that's not a week and a month. Yeah. That's a day. a day. Millions of dollars a day off of this illegal smuggling and human trafficking that's unfolding along our border. And what do they do? They use these proceeds and they put them back into their criminal enterprises to address things like illegal narcotics, the fentanyl that you mentioned. And that, you know, that seizure, that two-ton seizure was at a port of entry. So that's what we know is coming through. And that's just a, a small percentage. What we don't know is what comes between those ports of entry because our Border Patrol agents are focused on all these illegal migrants coming in. They're, they, they're not, they can't do their national security mission, making sure that you keep illegal contraband, illegal drugs, and other very bad individuals out of the country. Instead, they're caring for families and minors coming across the border. And it's by design by these cartels. They do this on purpose, where they smuggle large amounts of individuals and you get the attention of, you know, 20, 30 Border Patrol agents. And then, you know, in a different place on the border, but close by, they'll start smuggling narcotics and others. And so it's very troubling. We've emboldened the cartels, I would say, to a point to where there's been some reporting in the last week or so that you've actually had cartel members shoot across the border at Border Patrol agents. And, really? you know, that that just shows you how emboldened they've become because of the profits that they're making and because they know that they're unstoppable at the moment because they have done this for now seven months and it's getting easier by the month for them. You had an outstanding op-ed last week in place. I used to work the Hill newspaper saying that this border crisis started as a manufactured crisis, but now it's become a national embarrassment with the, the COVID spread, the, this relentless releasing of immigrants, even immigrants who have criminal records. Is there a way to put this toothpaste back into the tube? Is the 2022 election the only way to really reverse this, uh, given that the Democrats don't seem to have any desire to put the foot on the brake? Well, yeah, I, John, I think, unfortunately, it probably is at the end of the day. It, but that's not to say that if the Biden administration wanted to stop this, they could do it tomorrow. Well, they probably couldn't do it tomorrow. It'd probably take them a while to get this. But they have a playbook. We gave them a playbook that we developed over the course of about three years during the Trump administration. Without, again, without any help from Congress, we delivered that playbook to them during the transition, and they have it. They chose to ignore it. They chose to reverse a lot of policies. So anytime anyone asks, well, what can we do? You know, we don't need to develop new solutions. The solutions are there, and they work. It's just for political reasons, the Biden administration has chosen not to implement those. And so from a security perspective, that gives me a lot of pause. When I look at solution sets that are on the table, that are in the toolbox and not being utilized, and you're not protecting American people and you're putting lives in jeopardy, not only from a security perspective, but a public health perspective. And so there's, yes, there's a lot that can be done, but I don't see that the administration is going to do it on their own. So the 22 midterms are certainly there, probably the only, the only change that I see coming in the near future. It's going to be an amazing moment. The secretary, your successor, Alejandro Mayorkas is here today, and he's continued to say, listen, the border is closed. We, we don't have a crisis. In fact, he says, we're rebuilding a safe, orderly, and humane immigration system. He just tweeted that out a little bit ago. First off, as someone who held that position, do we really have a safe, orderly, and humane immigration system at the border at this moment? And is the border really closed? No, and it's quite remarkable, those statements. As acting secretary, I chose my words very, very carefully. Right because I knew a lot of people were paying attention. But most importantly, I wanted to be honest with the American people on what our challenges and our threats were. And so for the head of the department to say that we, the border is secure, the border is closed, it's anything but that. When you have over 210,000 illegal apprehensions in a given month, and probably another 30,000 gotaways, 
folks that we never encounter because the border patrol doesn't yeah, have they enough just got through, right? There's no way that you can say that that border is safe and secure. And so the law enforcement officials working at border patrol, border patrol officers hear this and they are confronted with this crisis on a real time basis. And they know that that is a lie. They know that that is not true, that that is just a public talking point. And at the end of the day, they're losing confidence in their leadership because of statements like this. You know, another statement is it's orderly and humane. Well, over 200,000 folks trying to illegally, you know, come into the country is anything but orderly. Encouraging people to make a very dangerous journey from Central America through Mexico, where they are raped, exploited, and sometimes killed is anything but humane. Encouraging all of this is the wrong approach, and it's not humane. So there's a lot of things that, you know, a lot of statements that I take issue with. Those are, you picked out two of them that get me fired up the most. It's just amazing statements. I mean, they're just demonstrably false, and the media treats them as, uh, well, they're truth, and nothing's wrong here. And I'm sure he'll get a great thing. Uh, Congressman Biggs yesterday introduced articles of impeachment against Mayorkas. Any reaction to that? Well, I think it should be taken seriously. I think... You know, we need a new approach. And if leadership is not going to give us a new approach, you need to think about different leadership. But at the end of the day, whether it's Secretary Mayorkas or another individual, this is the policy of the Biden administration. So if there's a new secretary, the approach will likely be the same. So I'm not, you know, it's, it's unclear to me how effective it would be to remove uh, when the direction comes from the White House to keep the same policies in place. I think it's the wrong approach. And I think the numbers are demonstrating it to the American people every single month, the catch and release, the number of COVID positivity rates. I think there was a report just today about Laredo. Uh, They're being shipped from RGV to Laredo, these migrants. And there was a 40% positivity rate coming off the bus. Mm. That's almost every other one, which is dramatically higher than the 15% positivity rate that McAllen reported several days ago. So. This idea that you are mass releasing individuals that are COVID positive into American communities, that cuts against everything the CDC, the Biden administration CDC is saying, it just, it's crazy. Uh, and I think the American people are slowly, slowly realizing this. It is remarkable. And, and, and it's a public health crisis now. We, you've used the word humanitarian crisis, and a lot of people don't use that word, but it is a humanitarian crisis. The migrants who are coming here are being put in an awful position, right? They got to risk all that getting here, and then when they get here, they may be uh, COVID positive. They got to try to find healthcare in a place where they don't know, right? Uh, you've got them stacked in large uh, detention centers. Why? Why is it that the Democrats, who argue that their whole goal is to be humanitarian, why do they get away with the idea that no no one notices that they're actually inflicting pain on the very people they claim to be helping? How does that happen in the media in the space today? Well, you know, it's it's the mainstream media. I think, you know, there's always been this perception over the years that Democrats get a pass from a lot of the mainstream media. And I think this is this is underscoring and highlighting that very issue to the American public at a level that has never been seen before. The pictures that you see out there, I've tweeted some of them. Others have tweeted others. You see thousands of migrants you know, huddled under a bridge because they need shade because of the 100 degree heat. There's no facilities to put them in. Others, you see facilities that they are literally sitting and laying on top of each other, some without a mask. And so that's when I talk about the humanitarian crisis. And look, when I was at the department in 18 and 19, we had a humanitarian crisis then too, but we talked about it and we described it as such. 
imploring Congress and others to help us fix the situation. This administration just wants to turn the blind eye and say, we're trying to reform it. And it's okay if it's inhumane for a period of time. It's okay if we have thousands of individuals that are COVID positive in cramped quarters. It's okay because trust us, we're building a more humane system. It's just it defies logic. It does. It does. And common sense. I mean, I think that's the thing that the American people are so good at. We're, we're by our nature, we're a very common sense country. And right now, we're not seeing a lot of common sense. Um, I want to ask you about one thing because we're we're about a month away from the 20th anniversary of the worst terrorist attacks in American history, the 9/11 moment, and we are seeing uh, Afghanistan overrun by the Taliban as the troop withdrawal occurs. Um, and it seems like a lot of our homeland security focus is on the immigration issue. In fact, I think Mayorkas has said, listen, my whole job is to focus on immigration. Are we in danger of having our eye off the ball? Wouldn't Al-Qaeda or one of its spin-off terrorist groups want to knock us hard on 9-11 to remind us they're still there? And do you think we have the right security posture with the team at the Homeland Security Department running the show right now? Well, there's no doubt that foreign terrorist organizations such as al-Qaeda, ISIS, as well as others, continue to look at targeting American and Americans, without a doubt, whether that's overseas or here in the United States. And so the department's counterterrorism mission, which is a large mission, does not need to be understated at all. It's a big portion of what the professionals at DHS do every single day, in addition to their other missions like immigration and border security. So as I look at the situation in Afghanistan and you see more and more provinces fall to al-Qaeda and others, it gives me great pause. While I don't think al-Qaeda is going to reach over here to the U.S., there's a number of other terrorist organizations that will be fostered there. And how they export their terror and what they do could be a threat to the U.S. and to Americans overseas. So, yeah, it's a real threat. Obviously, the anniversary of 9-11, I think everyone is, is on guard. Everyone's shields are up. So I'm hopeful that nothing occurs around that anniversary again. But what I see overseas, and obviously you said, you know, the importance that this administration is focusing on the border and immigration, it could over time take away some of their other attention on some of the other missions. Yeah, such a great point. That is something I hear from a lot of the frontline experts. Last question, the CPB, they've got to be exhausted. This has been five months of hell for them. They're around COVID all day. They're apprehending people. I think yesterday I saw at one of the border crossings, 327 people were rounded up in two groups in less than an hour. I mean, those are mass arrests. They're gigantic. How are the frontline men and women of the CPB holding up, as you, as you can tell? Well, they're under a, a tremendous amount of stress and strain at the moment. They not only have they been through this for six and a half, seven months now, they don't see an end in sight. And why do I say that? Because the, this administration is not giving them the tools they need to do their job. In, instead of listening to those Border Patrol officers and the professionals there, when they said, hey, we need an effective border wall system, the Biden administration said, nope, we're going to stop all construction of the border wall system. When they said, we like the migrant protection protocols, we like the ability for folks to stay in Mexico and then come across the border into the U.S. for their immigration proceedings. Right. The Biden administration said, nope, we're going to end that program and we're going to import all of those individuals into the U.S. Got rid of the asylum cooperative agreements, got rid of a number of other initiatives, not really implementing Title 42 um, authority, which is a public health authority. So all these things that the Border Patrol officers and agents are saying, we need to do our job. The administration right now is not 
not giving to them. So as you can imagine, <laughs> if, if that's occurring and you're in those positions, you're extremely, you know, you're stressed out uh, and you're starting, to, as I said earlier, you're losing confidence in the leadership. In many cases, it's already been lost. And that's why I think you see Secretary Mayorkas down there today. He should be down there every week, every week talking to his Border Patrol officers because, you know, rightly or wrongly, some of them do want to see him. Um, and it, he, want, he, he needs to provide that support. Instead, it's the occasional trip down there. I don't think it's enough at this point. Yeah, that's what a lot of people are saying. I've heard from a lot of the great men and women of CPB who are amazing. They're rescuing people. They're caring to the sick. They're caring for children. Unless you've been to the border, folks, you don't know what these folks go through every day. It's an amazing group of people, and we, they deserve our, our enormous respect and thanks, as, as do you, Secretary Wolf. We're so grateful for your time today and also all you've done to serve our country. Really, really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We'll try to get you back on soon because this is a crisis that's not going to go away any time in the future. You got it. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. We'll be back with some more news right after this. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, folks, that wraps it up for the day. I hope you enjoyed two great interviews. Chad Wolf. Ken Paxton, two guys that know something about the border, about common sense, about good governance. And they had some very sobering words of warning for all Americans. We need to keep that in mind as we head out there to the debates, the meetings, the voting that we're going to do in the next few years. A lot to take in from two very smart men on the front lines, and we should pay attention closely. Hey, Joe Manchin's making warnings. Larry Summers of Bill Clinton fame making warnings. Barack Obama's former chief economist making warnings. A lot of people are warning us that the path that we are on may be a destructive path. Inflation, workers losing buying power, so many of those things. That's a pretty strong statement from a lot of different people. Keep an eye on that. Very important stuff. All right. Before we go, I'd like to tell you about one of our new partners. It's called the Donors Trust. They help Americans like you and me who want to be charitable, want to be gracious, want to have an impact in helping make America better through tax-exempt or tax-free donations, charitable donations. And they make it easy. They allow it to happen without you having to compromise your values. You may not have time to research the charities you're thinking about giving money to. You may not have enough time to even decide which ones are most aligned with your values. And well, that's what the Donors Trust does. They they work for you to make smart, tax-advantageous, philanthropic donations that are aligned with your values. Now, that's a very important idea. I know how busy I am, and I don't have enough time. What a great idea to have somebody who say, I'll take the lead for you. I'll advise you. I want you to make your charitable contributions count the most in the areas and in alignment with the values that you yourself share. That's an important thing. That is an honor. Honoring your values is such an important part of donating. And by the way, making sure you get the tax advantage. 
And what better way to do that than partner with a fund that shares your commitment to limited government and personal responsibility? Because that's what the Donors Trust does. So Donor Trust can help you roll over a pre-existing account in three simple steps or help you get started with a new donor-advised account. See how. You want to know how? You get a free donor perspective. Go to donorstrust.org slash just news. Let me give you that again. Donorstrust.org slash just news. And you'll get a book and some information on how to get started with a charitable partner that understands you. That's the Donors Trust. Okay, one more time, guys. The donorstrust.org slash just news. That's how you can get your free, simple start on a donor advised account. I think it's a great opportunity. Make an impact. Make every dollar you give to charity count. That's what my good friends at Donors Trust are doing. And here is that first opportunity. So just a little offering. We Every day I like to share something from one of our partners that they're offering just the news and John Solomon Reports fans, we're so grateful for all of the different discounts and all the different offers and all the different services and help that the supporters of this program and others are offering. And Donors Trust is right there at the top of the list. Check them out. If you haven't had time, it's a great time. It's the back end of the year. You might be getting to think about tax time. Well, Donors Trust is there to make that difference. And more importantly, in a country that has so many needs, so many crises, so many challenges right now in America, Donors Trust is going to make a difference with your dollars, help you make a difference, and do it aligned with your values, the ones that are aligned with limited government and personal responsibility. That is the Donors Trust way. All right, folks, that wraps it up for the day. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. We're going to introduce you to an interesting Republican candidate out West. And you think, oh, out West, it's all fallen to the Democrat, leftist America. No, there's still a lot of Republicans working hard. And we're going to introduce you to one who's trying to run in about a plus sixth Democratic district in Washington, hoping to ride a Republican wave in 2022. That is going to be a fun interview. Let's count on it for tomorrow. Until then, if you need a news fix, you know where to go, justthenews.com. And if you want to make a difference, remember we've been broadcasting the last month from the Freedom Phone Studios here in Washington, D.C. And why do we call it the Freedom Phone Studios? Because my good friend Eric Finman has created a phone that celebrates protecting your privacy, gives you the tools to do it, not just celebrates it, gives you the tools to do it and celebrates and makes easy for you to find apps that protect your privacy and are censorship free. So if you want to find censorship, if you want to improve the privacy of your phone calls and your smartphone activities, check out the Freedom Phone right now. We made it easy. We've got a big discount that Eric is offering only our audience. It's justthenews.com slash Freedom Phone. That's easy to remember justthenews.com slash Freedom Phone. Eric and his great team will walk you through and help you make a good choice. Is this the right phone for you? It is for me. I love it. I'm using it. You should too. All right. Time for a wrap. You have a great night. God bless you and God bless this amazing country as he always has, the United States of America. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News.